welcome to SED. I'm your host, Jane Dagme, Editor-in-Chief of Designers Today. SED covers the wonderful industry of interior design from various, often eclectic, angles. At its most literal, SED is the spoken complement to what's written in the pages of our magazine. Esoterically speaking, SED, S-A-I-D, stands for Something About Interior Designers. In a nutshell, the podcast is devoted to the ongoing curiosity and admiration we have for these diverse, passionate, and often quirky individuals. SED celebrates the way they think, work, live, and define themselves. Enough said. Let's get into our show. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today, my guest is photographer Ellen McDermott of Ellen McDermott Interior Photography. The moment I was introduced to Ellen McDermott's work, I got a pang, a pang that I interpreted as a longing to make beautiful photos again. Seeing the spaces she works in, the distribution of light and shadow, the way she immortalizes a moment in time, I just knew I wanted to get to know the creative spirit behind this imagery. And so, after a volley of emails, I invited her to podcast, because that is a surefire way to get acquainted. The New Hampshire native, who worked in San Francisco for six years before heading to New York, still retains her New England accent. She dreamed of being a professional athlete and a rock star, and then realized being a visual artist was her destiny. I loved hearing Ellen recount how she started her career fielding phone calls in the busy Butterfield and Butterfield auction house, and how shooting antique collections brought her to the attention of Martha Stewart, which in turn opened doors to editorial commercial work, and interior designers. Of her craft, Ellen says, What we do best is to reflect what they do in capturing the perfect light, color, and composition, so the viewer feels as if they are standing in that space and time. Ellen has worked steadily with designer Dominic Rotundi for roughly eight years, and they are currently in the midst of another project. I asked Dominic to say something about Ellen. What can I say about Ellen? Every day wouldn't be the same without her. She brings a sense of welcoming, a sense of belonging, and just really a lot of intelligence. And I feel that each of my projects couldn't be what they are without her help, her guidance. They just feel real. And she knows how to awaken them in such a professional manner and also just brings a smile to them. And we share that. And I always respected that. um, And I continue to. And I look forward to in the future as we push forward and look at the new projects on the horizon. She's family. I can call her anytime I need. I can call her anytime I want just to hear her voice and just to catch up. And that is a attribute that I think is very important, um, that she's just a real person, as I am. And I think that's hard to find nowadays. She's the best. Wouldn't do anything without her. Thanks, Dominic. In the podcast, Ellen also shares lessons learned from her first mentor, tells us who some of her favorite female photographers are, reveals her excitement over her newest Hasselblad camera, and explains how the iPhone has changed her work life. Ellen lives in New York City with her partner and chief collaborator, Bridget Shawless, and their opal, Betafish. She loves the career she chose, the people she has met along the journey, and the way light falls on objects, on fabrics, and faces. Ellen says, when we as creatives stay true to our heart, our goals, when we're true to who we are, good things happen. Well said and enough said. Let's meet Ellen. Hello, Jane. It's Ellen. Hi, Ellen. How are you? Fantastic. We're so excited. Oh. Bridget's here. Bridget's here with us. Oh, good. Uh, and you're on speakerphone. I'm excited. I'm a little bit nervous. It's like, um, it's a little bit like our first date because we've never met in person. And so many of the people that I have on the podcast, I've already met them, you know. And oh, I, okay. And I feel like I've been sitting here at my computer looking at your portfolio totally salivating over the images, wishing that I was a shooting editor again. I mean, that's how I feel like I, lo- <laughs> I, I look at your, at your site and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I miss those days of editorial. Oh, 
Thank you so much. And we're a little nervous on on our end as well, but we're really excited. And it's funny because we must have just missed each other at uh, Country Living because I think I did a lot of shooting for them in 2006. We really adored that team at Country Living. It was one of those magical moments in time where just the, the most amazing women the most supportive and powerful and creative, talented. It was it was an amazing time. And Helene Fendelman actually lives in our neighborhood. So we've had dinner over uh, at her place with her husband uh, and uh, Bert. Mm-hmm. And there's a, yep. And there's a gentleman who lives in our building who's an amazing collector and they all know each other. So we all went over there and it was great. I think that was one of my favorite things to shoot were collection stories. Because uh-huh. like, you know, if you stack it, group it, I don't know. I'm just like, I, I love that passion for collection. So anytime I could get one of those shoots with somebody that had a great collection, I was totally psyched. Yeah. Sure. And we, we come from a world of photographing a lot of collections. You know, my background was at auction houses. Yes. And that segued into uh, photographing people's homes, portraits, their pets, and as well as their, well, most importantly, their collections, their antique collections or or whatever collections that they have. So, um, yeah. so it, it's been an interesting journey throughout the years. Well, I totally want to talk about um, photographing objects and kind of what that taught you. But before we get there, I always like to start at the beginning because okay. I love to know how your artistic nature, like how it presented itself when you were a kid, what were the sorts of things that you were doing as a kid in New Hampshire, right? Yeah. So are we, how, are we starting? We are starting. We ben, are getting into uh, it. Whoa, I love <laughs> it. So yeah, I grew up on the seacoast of New Hampshire, mm-hmm. uh, which was quite an Id- idyllic sort of uh, beginning existence. Um, it was wonderful in many ways. Um, I, I started, um, I, you know, at first I wanted to, you know, when I was growing up at first, I wanted to become a professional athlete. And then that turned into wanting to become an equestrian because up there, you know, there are lots of horses. Okay. That was your sport growing up? Well, no, my sport growing up, I did field hockey, basketball and track. Okay. <laughs> I was fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. Okay. So, but then, and then you wanted to become an equestrian. Was that, did that have anything to do with like the whole visuals of the sport or? Gosh, you, you hit it right on the nose. You know, I was really obsessed with the beauty of the animal, the, the horses. And so I would, I, that's when I started photographing. I started photographing anything I could with horses. Uh, And I wasn't, you know, I was young. I was probably maybe 13 so I wasn't thinking about photographing them for any artistic purposes, but just my obsession with them. And I would subscribe to horse publications, equestrian magazines. And yeah, so that's, I mean, I really, you, you know, looked at them a lot and admired the beauty and the muscular structure Let's, of the. I, I, I hear you. Like I, I've never been an equestrian, but that whole <laughs> lifestyle from the stables to mm-hmm. the tack rooms to the fashions, like I mean, hello, Ralph, right? But, I'm, but <laughs> I, but I think I think that even before he romanticized that, you know, I I think that I would have figured it out. Um, I think I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. he maybe he put that in my head, but um, but yeah, it's well, the thing that's funny about uh, equestrians is. You know, you know, it looks like it's and it is a very elevated art form, you know, dressage. I did some of that. And I also did a show jumping. Um, And I think it's such a, you know, it has elitism. But at the same time, the reality was I was really mucking stalls. You know, I was really knowing they're smelly creatures. And, you know, so so it really is a very hands on labor intensive uh, experience. Mm-hmm. maintaining uh, the health uh, of these animals. And, um, and another thing I, I often say with the career of photography is that uh, one day a rock star, the next day a roadie. 
because nothing more than the creative fields can have you feeling like you are a rubber band just being, you know, flung here, flung there. One day is this, the next day, you, you know, is that. So one day a rock star, star the next day a roadie. But I also um, had uh, played some music and I, I wanted to be a rock star mm-hmm. uh, at, at one point. Not a musician, very different things, right? But a rock star. What did you play? So I played guitar, uh, electric guitar. I've got a 1968 Fender Telecaster. Um, and I just, you know, I loved Cindy Lauper. She was my absolute inspiration as a musician. And, and she was a New Yorker. So when I was 15 years old, I knew I had to be in New York City at the age of 15. I was like, that's it. I got to be there. Mm-hmm. And it took and then, you a little longer, but you, you got oh, there. Well, <laughs> yes, of course. Yes. Because then at, th- at that time, um, after playing music, you know, I, I, you know, I abandoned that because I, I realized that, you know, what came to me naturally was a vi- being a visual artist. And, and then I began to embrace that. Mm-hmm. And then you went to school for fine art. Yeah, I, I went to Emmanuel College studying fine art. Uh, that's where I met my first mentor, Kathy Souls. She's an amazing painter. And this began my my true creative path. Mm-hmm. She was very very supportive, very uh, just an amazing woman. Um, I did painting and drawing, uh, some printmaking, and then photography. And it was then that uh, Kathy Souls, my mentor, had instilled uh, that talent was twenty percent, and everything else was eighty percent. And I came to understand uh, from her that perseverance, drive ambition and relationship development were equally as important as honing one's craft. Yeah. Yeah. That comes easily to some people not so easily to other people. I mean, understanding it is one thing, right? Practicing it is, is a whole other thing, but, um, but obviously you're practicing it very well, (laughs) (laughs) but you know what I mean? Like, you can say yeah. something, but it doesn't mean that that it fits who you are. Um, well, they, they say practice makes perfect, but, you know, there's no such thing as perfect in, in my estimation. So uh, we're always learning. We're always growing and learning from others and seeking out others to learn f- from. And that's what makes it all exciting. Oh, I totally agree. Perfection is so boring, Ellen. I mean, seriously. Um <laughs> So after school, how did you get to your first job, which was San Francisco, Butterfield yeah. and Butterfield? How'd you get to that auction house? Oh, gosh. Well, I, I moved out there. The economy in New Hampshire was lagging at the time. And and this was in, I think it was like 1992. Mm-hmm. Moved out there. And I actually, I worked in the food industry for maybe about six months. I was a cashier, you know, I loved, uh, I, I loved meeting and greeting all the people who came through the door and th- at a place called Max's Boy Chick, actually, I can't believe I remember that, but mm-hmm. it was, uh, it was a very profound time <laughs> in my life. I went from there to, um, my roommate at the time, ha- there's a, uh, at the Jewish vocational services, there was a posting, a listing for a phone operator telephone operator at Butterfield and Butterfield. And uh, the gentleman who owned the company at the time was Bernard Osher, uh, who is up in Biddeford, Maine. And he uh, he was really also very positive and encouraging of my following my career of photography. My path it was actually a great experience because I got into also fo- I, I photographed Nancy Pelosi um, and a lot of the a lot of the things go Barbara Boxer, who were friends of Bernard Osher. And it was very exciting time to jump into politics as well out there. So wait, I have a question. So you so you saw an ad for a telephone operator. So did you apply for that? Oh, yes. I'm sorry. OK, um, so you yeah. started. at No, I, I'm like a chrono- chronology like. You know, I, I need to know every little detail. So you nope. applied for that job and you got the job as the operator? Yes, as a telephone operator for Butterfield and Butterfield. And I did that. It may have been a year, a year and a half. And th- this was actually wonderful because 
once I, I'm going to jump ahead a little, but once I left Butterfields and came to New York City, everyone I had worked with in San Francisco was now at Christie's, Sotheby's, um, Heritage, uh, you know, Butterfields became Bonhams, um, you know, so I got to photograph a lot of antique cars. That was exciting. Um, so, the, so being on the operating, well, I was, you know, and it's interesting you asked that because I, I was, you know, kind of, I don't want to say angry, but, you know, I had to be on the operator's desk. I wanted to be in the photo department, but at, at the end of the day, and once my career got going in New York, I realized that the best thing for me was to have been on that operator switchboard because I knew every single person in that company and they came to New York. So I knew every place they worked here in New York and they wanted to work with me because yep. they were they were familiar with me. Very We've cool. All, yeah, we also um, have shot with the Kinos, Lee Kino. Mm-hmm who's had a, a, an amazing, uh, inspirational antiques career, you know, it's been amazing. Totally. To be, yes. Yeah. So, so how did you, okay. So you're, you're, you're doing the phones and you're getting this, you know, register of people in your head and meeting people that way. How did you first step to the camera? Did you say like, um, you know, how'd you get to the photography area? Okay. Well, they knew that I, they knew that that was my intent was to be part of the photography team. So I had to kind of bide my time at the operator's desk. And because it's such a, a challenging position for them to fill, because you can, as you can imagine, it's taxing and, you know, sitting at a desk answering phones all day. So um, they, they required that they, the person who took that position stay there for a year. However, everybody in the photo department knew I wanted to be there. And I had kind of... The people in the department who would help me, they would they would allow me to use actually the owner of the company, Bernard Osher, would allow me to use the dark room on weekends and my time off so that I could hone my skills. You know, we printed back then. We shot all film. So, yep. so, so that so that was a, a wonderful um, entry into the department. And then eventually I did get hired in that department. And Butterfields was a great place because it was one of the first free companies in the United States, United States that transitioned to digital photography. Mm -hmm. So, that, yeah, I was on the cutting edge of the technology in about 1992, 1993. So, so was a lot of your shooting there done in the studio or did you go to collectors homes sometimes that were giving, you know, that were auctioning off their collections? Yep. So it so it started as primarily in the studio, and and then it it eventually would slip over into going to a collector's home and photographing the paintings that they were going to sell, the furniture they were. So sometimes we would set up sort of um, an on location photo studio. But then what started happening was we started photographing a lot of the property in situ. So it, it just that sort of started the interiors for me, photographing antiques and antiquities in the environments of the home that they were living in. Right, right. And when you're shooting in the studio, I'm just curious, like, how do you put your spin? Did you put your spin then? You know, if I if I look at your portfolio again, I'm I'm like totally feel like I'm being pulled into these environments where I feel like either somebody's just left the space or they're coming back. You know, like there's life, uh -huh. even though maybe sure. there's a pet, but there's there's typically no no life. Um, so sure. shooting objects, you know, was it just like what was it like? How'd you how'd you make them so pretty? One of the things that's a goal of mine when we're when we're shooting is to really hone in on the object and make it feel as though you could just pick it out of the out of the two dimensional page, whether, whether it be, you know, a blanket or a throw or, or a ball or or a, or a fork. I, I try. That's one of my goals is to the best of my ability. I try to make it feel as though you can just you can just touch it. Mm hmm. 
And, um, and it's interesting because I, I had almost forgotten, I can't believe it, but I was hired at the Smithsonian um, with the Cooper Hewitt Museum to photograph a large portion of their collection of objects. And so, so that was exciting. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so coming from Butterfields, moving to New York City, I went immediately from like to like. So I started working for Christie's, Sotheby's, and then with Ron Bourgeau of Northeast Auctions. Mm-hmm. At Northeast, I met and befriended Albert Sack, who still has a line at Hickory Chair. He was, he was my beer and burger buddy when he came to the city. We had so much fun. Oh, I, I have yeah. one of his books here. I have, oh, uh, yeah. I think when I was at Country Living, I was told to get, it was referred to as the good, better, best book. Yeah. Like the fine points of furniture. Yeah. 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 And then after that, that led to shooting with Martha Stewart's Homekeeping Handbook, which was incredible because, you know, we got to shoot at all her locations and it was an absolute delight working with her. And she makes a mean cappuccino. And another thing I really loved about her company was that she was she was a female, and especially important in, in this time to mention, you know, she was a strong, you know, the head of that company. And they also hired a lot of female photographers which was very inspiring to me because it is a very um, male-dominated industry of photography and interior photography, especially. Hmm. So, so it was, I loved that, uh, to see these amazingly creative female photographers. Right. I was just thinking about that. And um, like, who, who were some of your peers at that time that were also shooting? Well, the, some of the women who I looked to was Victoria Pearson. Her work was phenomenal. Like to, to this day, she's an inspiration for me. Helen Norman comes to mind. I love her interior spaces. Alexandra Rowley, um, Laura Moss, Tria Giovin, uh, Lisa Romarin, gorgeous. She did that book, uh, The House That Pinterest Built. Um, that's amazing. Uh, such inspiration. The D- Diane and, Keaton book. That's right. Yeah. Di- yeah. And then there's the next, I, I'm noticing that Instagram is making us able to view and learn about other people's work. And there are these next generation of these amazing young female interior photographers. I just came across um, Regan Wood's work. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, Regan Wood, her work is just exquisite. Nikki Pereira. And Devin Banks is a young woman architectural photographer. So so that's been really inspiring to see the next generation of female interior photographers coming up. Okay, so you come to New York, you're doing the auction. Um, you did, did you ever work for another photographer in New York on location or did you just go into your business on your own? Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a really interesting and great question because when I got to New York, no, I did not work for another photographer. And I think that put me at a great disadvantage because in San Francisco, I had been under the tutelage of the staff photographers at the auction house. And so I, I was an assistant. I was in the darkroom printing their photography and learning their lighting and just seeing kind of how they lit objects. So I did, but I, I did um, assist in that way. But coming to New York and not having that entry into the New York photography world, it, it was somewhat of a disadvantage. So I, you know, I was a photographer already, and I was doing my thing. But I, I think, I think that really, um, you know, not having a greater sense of community within the photo world was somewhat of a disadvantage. But then I, you know, obviously I eventually thought that out and created friendships with other photographers and um, sought that out. So, um, yeah. But yeah, that's a great question. And, and I mean, Mar- you know, to work with Martha Stewart when your career is still fresh, that's mm. amazing. You know, people mm-hmm. look to your look to your name. Do you apparently are there groups of photographers like in New York? Are you like part of any photography association or? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So APA mm-hmm. is uh, is one that I've been with since I got to New York. So that's that's quite some time, uh, and I've and I've been I've always really enjoyed them uh, and learned a lot from them. And they're very supportive of all their photographers. Uh, during the time of COVID, 
ASMP has done a great job that I think I'll probably reach out to them and join them as well. We've been so inspired by the lectures they've had, the online Zoom meetings they've had, um, and really supporting photographers through this time of COVID. I also, we recently joined um, the professional photographer uh, women. I think, it, is it PPW? That's a, they're a little, they're new to us, surprisingly. We should have probably been a long time ago involved with them, but that's a new um, membership with them. Yeah. In our email communique, you talked about DJ Carey of Connecticut Cottages and Gardens being somebody who is, uh, I'd say, instrumental to your editorial career or just giving you, you know, you somebody who you love to work with. And it's it made me smile when I read that because I had a couple of years of totally floundering, you know, like, I think when when blogs came out, it was like everybody was a journalist and everybody was an editor all of a sudden, you know, and yep. and it was really hard for me to find my footing. And I, I was at Maison Objet in Miami. because They had two two. Um, they did two shows in Miami. I was living in Florida and DJ. I saw DJ on the floor and I introduced myself because, of course, I knew her and I said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a writer and I'd love to write for you. And she also gave me an opportunity. And until I became full-time employed again, I would write for Connecticut Cottages and Gardens like two or three times a year. So I'm like, wow. you know, just, I mean, and which was plenty. Wow. But That um, is so cool. That She's so inspirational. I, yeah. I mean, she's definitely been a solid influencer in my career. Um. She's taken us to incredible uh, spaces with incredible designers and architects. Yeah, that magazine is so beautiful. So beautiful. It's always been. Yeah, we love how it's oversized. And we also love, I, I love that, that you worked with DJ, but we love that Connecticut is now booming with their um, housing market. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, good. with the COVID, everybody's well leaving. City. <laughs> I, I know. I mean, I think yeah, cities are are suffering, but yes, like every I think every off um like out the outskirts of New York and you know the Hudson's and all, all that area. I mean, yeah. yeah, Hudson's booming. We've got lots of friends and colleagues who are going up there, and um, oh my gosh, yeah, we're staying put though. We're going to stay in the city. <laughs> what area do you live in? So we're in Gramercy Park area, Gramercy Flatiron. Mm-hmm. We have great restaurants. We've we that we love to go to and we see that they are starting to slowly come back and we've been trying to frequent them when we get a chance just to show our support hello dear listeners i wanted to take a little break here to relay the good news that planning for our second online designer experience is now underway so Mark your calendars for Thursday, September 24th. The designer experience, for those who have never attended, is an interior design community gathering with presentations, discussions, and tours that combines practical business advice and exercises with design education and inspiration. Back in the old days, we hosted these two-and-a-half-day forums in person. Today, we deliver the same high-grade content by Zoom, coupled with that DT dose of heart and soul that goes into everything we do. Go to designerstoday.com to the events tab and click on designer experience to learn more. What was it like? How did you continue your working through COVID? You know, what was it like from the beginning? Um, I'm sure it has evolved from like maybe uh, shock to, <laughs> oh, this is how we can work with it. What's it been like being a photographer during COVID? Well, you know, before COVID, we'd been in the process of documenting this huge body of work by the designer Dominic Rotondi mm -hmm. of, D yeah, of DRD. Uh, his interiors evoke a timeless and classic sense of livable luxury, which which is just We've loved our time working with him. Is this for a book project that you're doing this? So I, I think it's for many different purposes. So we, we're, we've started with his website and then he has some exciting things that are going to be coming out, which, which we won't mention, but you will see in August sometime, I think in mid-August. Okay. So that's been wonderful. 
And then at the very start of the COVID shutdown, my partner and I were working on our latest promotional mailer, uh, which we completed efficiently as we had time you know, to do so. Um, and I think we sent you one. You yeah. received? Yeah. 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 On my desk. I, I took it off of my pin board and put it on my desk. Awesome. Yeah. Well, any of your listeners would like one sent to them, we'd be more than happy to pop one in the mail. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, it's so beautiful. I haven't received something like this since I actually was an editor at Country Living and a, you know, a shooting editor. And uh, I, I love it. It's uh, just to um, explain to the listeners, it's a, would you say like an accordion folded, um, mm-hmm. eight sided. So there are eight images of Ellen's and with her contact information. And it's just totally like great texture. And it, it sort of is like, I feel like fall's coming, you know, it has a very, to me, fall feeling. Uh-huh. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Gorgeous. So then we, we ended up, you know, as you can imagine, everybody, it was such a shock because it happened so quickly, the shutdown. Uh, we had so many amazing pro- uh, projects lined up. We were going to be shooting for the Ralph Lauren magazine. We were going to be, we had some designers. We we had some really cool projects and then boom, everything shut down. So instead of sitting on our laurels and being tuned up, we we maybe gave ourselves a day or two to kind of freak out and whatnot. But then we decided we need to just keep ourselves busy and engaged. So we contacted Amy Williams the owner of a high-end luxury women's boutique in Newburyport, Massachusetts. She sent a bunch of product to our home to be photographed. And her items are these phenomenal fabrics. So my intent was to do studies and details indicative of these objects and materials. The end results we felt were astonishing. Nothing beats, you know, silk taffeta blouses, Mm. cashmere linen throws, uh, and sweaters, cashmere sweaters, you know, and we played with light and, and styling and we could just do this all at our, at our apartment. Oh, that's so. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then, then we moved into, we got a little more, we branched out a little more and uh, there's a woman we met a few years back who's become a dear friend. She's a streetwear fashion designer by the name of Dana Sackow. Uh, of four leaders is her company. She's definitely an up and coming powerhouse and one to check out. It was so delightful working with her. Uh, we photographed her her clothing. Uh, again, we started off figure and did studies and details. And we shot at our friend Jane Ives studio, which is an iconic Soho loft. It was easy to maintain some social distancing so that, you know, because we were very nervous at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, we had our masks. We, we did every, washed our hands. We did everything to practice social dis- distancing. But we came up with some imagery that's very near and dear to our hearts now, which, um, you know, can be viewed. I think, I think we still have it in new works. Um, okay. and, and so Jane Ives' studio is this incredible patinaed wall and chipping paint. And, and it's just one of those old school Soho feeling and loft and you know she shoots if you go to Jane Ives if you go to her website uh she has shot some incredible iconic figures with some of the most amazing photographers you know who are also inspirational and that's worth checking out you keep mentioning I mean there's so many things to check out like just from our conversation so far I feel like I'm gonna be you know spending a couple of hours online doing some more research, which is like a, gr- a great way to just get off of my priorities and <laughs> go looking uh, well, for inspiration. Well, I could send you like a, so that it's easier for you to find them. We could send some Instagram t- tags and some, um, some websites because the, these people are just, we consider them amazing and very part of our uh, progression forward and our evolution. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. And then- and then we do our own retouching uh, as often as possible, as often as we can, which is a huge part of our finished look. Uh, so, you know, during COVID, we've remained quite busy. Um, you know, as I said, Dominic uh, Rotundi has a large body of work we've been retouching. And um, yeah. 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 So um, you've done a lot of editorial and you've shot with a lot of designers. And I'm just curious, is there a difference when you 
per assignment, whether you're shooting a story for a magazine or you're doing a location for a designer? Well, I think the thing that stands out mostly is that when you're shooting for the magazine, you're pleasing them. And when you're shooting for the designer, you're pleasing the designer. So sometimes, you know, the editorial has to pare it down. So it's it's not, you know, the designer wants to get as many shots done in a day as possible. And the, the editorial wants selections as well and to do as much. But I think, you know, they really need to end up with a story that's maybe 12 shots, you know, eight to 12 shots, maybe 15. You know, they're only going to use a certain amount of shots for the publication. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and with designers, you're it's like as many as you can get done in a day. Yeah. Yeah. And who are some of your longtime collaborators, like your designers? Mm. I mean, you mentioned Dominic. Mm. Um, so we, we came up, we've been working with, we're so excited. There's, uh, th- there's a woman by the name of Melissa Anderson and she, her company is Ode Interiors, O-A-D mm. Interiors. She's a, another young woman up and coming we had our first shoot with her and we're looking forward to a second uh, that's going to be upstate somewhere. I, we don't even quite know where. We're really looking forward to that. Her, She's so talented. Tina Ramchan Danny is, is another person we've worked with a few times and we're looking forward to some up and coming with her. She's she's also another, um, she was House Beautiful's up and coming yep. uh, designers. Bryant Keller, we love his design. We've been working with him for years. Bell and Gilmette, that is Patrick Bell of Old Hope. Uh, and Catherine Scott uh, is a designer I, I worked with when I first uh, came to New York. I met her while shooting with House Beautiful magazine. They got a lot, a lot of people. Um, that, mm-hmm. that, yeah, that's great. I was thinking the other day about when you, as a designer or even an editor, you know, you have this relationship with um, with designers. And I've heard like, different theories like one is you know you should definitely have different photographers um represented Mm -hmm. on your website so that you know your work has a different feeling because it it depends if who you are trying to attract you know who what kind of client you're trying to attract um but then i could also see staying consistent you know so that if you bond with that photographer there's a certain look and it's usually in the quality of the light i think um that that mm-hmm. resonates and and that will attract the kind of client that you think is attracted to that you know to that sure. magic so sure. it's like yeah. two schools but i was thinking oh like when you um uh, yeah i don't know i mean do we've you, been, we've been, what do you we've think? been part we've been part of those two schools um so tina ramchandani actually does like to shake it up and use different photographers and different stylists and and that's the way she she works um, uh, Bryant Keller has used, I think, predominantly us, uh, Catherine Scott for a long time. And, I, you know, she had people before me and then I had a long run with her and, and, you know, and it, and it can come back around also. Cause I think, you know, like you said, so, sometimes people are in a space in their design career that they're like, okay, I need to shake this up and I need to use someone different for this project, but then I'm going to bring Ellen back for this other project over here. So, you know, I've learned over the years to develop a tough skin in regards to that. Yes. um, That's uh, so, so it's just, you know, you, you, you know, you know, one day, one year you work more with one client and then the following year you work more with another. So that's just kind of the ebb and flow of um, a career, I suppose, a photography career. Yeah, no, that's, that's cool. I love, um, I love how you describe that. I'm I'm always curious about the creative mind. Um, like when I go on a walk, you know, leaves and stones speak to me. And I know that not everybody, there are plenty of people that will go on a walk and they don't see the leaves. They don't see the stones. You know, I don't see what I see. Yep. So yep. when you go through, when you take a walk in New York, like, do you, is your photographer head always on? Is your, <laughs> do, you know, I think. I think it is, which actually can be quite exhausting sometimes Mm -hmm. (laughs) to me and to those around me. Um, However, what what I'm always really excited about is light. You know, for me, it's the way light touches someone's face or falls on on fabric or hits a building. 
And I think, so what, what started happening with the iPhone was it was really wonderful because we could start quickly documenting these things and, and we could be more loose and more free. We, we didn't have to be tethered uh, to a computer and tied down by having the camera on a tripod. And, you know, it was it was my partner, Bridget, who actually said to me, you need a camera that is more easily accessible, that you could just pull it out and take some more shots that are better in quality than an iPhone, but also have more flexibility in in being more free, more more of a freestyle kind of uh, shooting. And so this this is where because coming from the digital photography, digital started off. Um, as you couldn't move it from a tripod. Uh, the technology wasn't there where it could be handheld. That came years later. So in some ways, technology dictated a little bit the direction I went in, in terms of being on a tripod, shooting still life, and then moving into interiors. And because I'd always shot with a medium format digital camera, I never jumped on purchasing, you know, a Nikon or the Canon D. I never got the, got those cameras. I've al- always been a Hasselblad person. So I waited for the technology to catch up and I made I, I was so excited about this purchase. It was is a game changer for us. We purchased the X1D, which is a handheld. It's it operates like an SLR, but it's a medium format digital back. So the the, the digital chip is larger. And the files are so beautiful. They're just gorgeous. And when you're shooting in a low light, they can kind of replicate kind of a film feel more so than a lot of the digital. Because uh, digital can be very sharp, you know, and, and have a sort of a, I don't want to say a coldness, but it's sort of the same with with music and sound where there's the analog vers- versus the, you know, the CDs and the, the digital mm-hmm. uh, there's this warmth that that it used to be complained a lot about uh, when digital first came out. And digital continues to evolve and get better, and there certainly are uh, you know grain uh, plugins that you can apply afterwards in Photoshop. But I think overall, digital is is continuously evolving, and uh, so this camera has brought us into doing more lifestyle, doing portraits uh, more quickly, and and more. Uh, creatively because I can move around faster and it's it's been a lifesaver and a game changer for us oh that's great that's yeah. great because yeah in the moment be in the moment um what, what, we actually won a contest which I'm excited to say yes. um the Hasselblad and which is, was this what using the, this new camera yes yes congratulations thank you that's that's quite an <laughs> honor I mean it was it, it was very exciting um, for us because Hasselblad, like I said, has been my go-to for everything, and and this camera has uh, changed our lives. So that was really exciting. And the camera's only been out a few years, I think. So, um, yeah. So, do you on your um, website? There's a section called "A Day in the Life." Is is that mm-hmm. something that you've been shooting with this new camera? Because like. I, I noticed there's a whole thing on like lobster fishermen and things like that, or, or those, what, what is the day yeah. in the life? Yeah, absolutely. So that's what this camera has enabled us to uh, move forward with our passion projects. And, you know, we can, because it, because of its, um, it, it's a very accessible camera to work with. We have been on lobster boats. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> that, that, okay. <laughs> All right. So, we get on the lobster boat and I'm clicking away, click, click. You know, we have to be there at 5 a.m. and on the boat at 5 a.m. So we're up at four on the boat at five. I'm, I'm taking all kinds of photos. I'm happy. I'm ecstatic. And then I am, I am almost certain that it is time to go back to shore, that we've been there for eight hours and it's 12 noon. And I say, Bridget, what time is it? Well, it's 7 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Not so, quite noon. Yeah. And so we had to sit there for eight hours uh, next to the, the, the chum um, with handkerchiefs over our faces. Oh, goodness. Mm-hmm. Well. It, it was an amazing learning experience. So this camera's brought us into worlds previously unknown to us to explore, meet people. We love meeting new people. And it's been very exciting. 
as I was looking through your portfolio and there's an image of a pewter collection and some Windsor chairs. And, you know, when I was at country living, it was at a time when, um, it, we were kind of redefining who we were. You know, people were like, are you still ducks and ruffly curtains? And we're like, no, we're not. And, you know, when I look at, when I looked at that photograph, I thought this is such a modern portrayal of antiques and early American style. Thank you so much for saying that. That actually was very early on in my career when I got to New York City. That was for Bonhams bought out Butterfield and Butterfield. They first merged and then they bought them out. And they had a shoot out on the out, out on the Cape. I think it was Martha's Vineyard. Um, and we photographed, like I had mentioned, we photographed the entire collection. Uh, we set up a studio, but they allowed me to push them to do a more a more of an in, interior in situ. And they couldn't have been more happy. That ended up being the cover of the mm-hmm. cat and used in the mailers. And, and that continues to happen when, when, when we have as artists follow our true intent and, and how, you know, when we follow our true intent, nine times out of 10, that's what comes through in the imagery. And that's happened over and over in my career. Um, and it just, it just shows you that just, you know, to stay true to your heart, Stay true to your goals. And when we're true to who we are, good things come of that. So that that was an amazing experience in, in my career. And it's exciting. It's exciting to me that you honed right in on that. So that's cool. Is there anything that I haven't asked you <laughs> that you are dying to get off your chest or that I should have asked you? Well, one of the things that you were kind of hitting upon was with the iPhone. Mm hmm. I think this is a big, it's a game changer. And, and as we mentioned earlier, we, you know, I started taking sort of these sketches and Bridget had said to me, you you know, you need to get a professional camera that you can, you know, kind of do what you're doing with the iPhone, but the iPhone has been a great and and media Instagrams enables photographers and and artists to showcase their work and also have an online portfolio and um, and we've also gotten jobs through Instagram. So I feel like it's been a wonderful thing. And, you know, we also use the iPhone. Um, it, it can allow us to quickly shoot scout locations and shots. Sure. Prior, yep. Prior to a shoot. And, and we consider them kind of sketches uh, of composition and lighting. And, um, and 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 I think one of the things is that while the iPhone is, is great, it doesn't replace the skills of a professional photographer. So, um, you know, a lot of people, as you mentioned earlier, you know, people, every, when blogs first came out, everybody's a writer. Right. Uh, when the iPhone, everybody's a photographer now. But I think the, the thing is, is that it, it really is more about the artistry um, of, you know, who someone might, you know, who a designer might hire to pay attention to their artistry, maybe more than paying attention to the tools in which they created the imagery with, but just make sure it's top-notch imagery. I mean, I would lean, I would lean a little against an iPhone because I don't think you have quite the, you know, the level of pixels or, or definition that you might need if you need to blow things up. And if you, if you do need to shoot a book, Um, but you know, the, but it's more the, it's more the creator behind the lens, regardless of what it is they use, because you can do amazing things with an iPhone. You can do amazing things with 35 millimeter. You can do amazing things with medium format digital backs. You could do amazing things with four by five film or eight by 10 film. It depends upon what you as the artist choose as your tool. And I think so the thing for someone hiring a photographer, it's for them to be excited and a very visceral reaction to the work they're viewing is important. Imagery is a very amazing and an important part of all cultures. And, you know, that's what we get to see through uh, social media. We get to experience so much more, so much more quickly. Sometimes it's overwhelming, but I think that our visual education as a whole um, is becoming elevated. I know I did want to talk about one more thing. Uh-huh. Because I, I feel like we were kind of the same in this. Um, you mentioned the blur between like your private life and your 
work life. Mm -hmm. Like in, you know, because you, when you love what you do (laughs) and it's Mm -hmm. such a part of you, it's hard to separate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I mean, I'm a blur too. Like my, you know, and I knew that I wouldn't really have a great relationship, a, a, a great personal relationship until I was with somebody in the industry. Yeah. Because I just, I, I love the industry that I'm in and, um, and now I am with somebody and it's really, really good. Um, that's cool. Yeah. So like, yeah, go ahead. A lot of our fields are all consuming. Uh, you know, it, it, it is a lifestyle. I, I used to go out on these shoots and I'd be days and days, just me, my assistant, um, you know, and my home life was completely left behind. And I missed, I missed that. I missed my partner. Uh, Bridget and I have been collaborating for 14 years now. And we get to, we have clients, you know, I have clients who they loved me and they'd be like, well, stay an extra day in Maine. And I'd be like, I just want to go home. You know, I want to be around my, my friends, my family, my pets. But, but now that we travel together, sure. We'll, we'll, we'll hang out. We'll get to know you more. We'll, we'll, and sometimes these also lead to those day in the life projects. We may be hired to do a project with a designer um, or a collector. And then just by getting to know them more, they show us that they are beekeepers or that they actually have their own lobster traps and they take us out, or that's actually a different person from the lot, the professional lobstermen. But, um, it's, it's been incredibly rewarding. We love what we, we do and we absolutely, absolutely. And only want to be around those who want to be around us. That is very important and makes it as you, as we get older, that makes itself more and more clear that it's, it's a two way street. Um, you know, the, those who we collaborate with and partnership with need to be as happy about working with us. And as we are with working with them, it's, it's a very much about a partnership. Mm. That's a pretty good way to end. I think, you know, oh. Good words. I mean, totally good words. So awesome. Yeah. This This was so much fun. Yeah, this was fun. I can't wait to meet you in person. Yes. Well, you know, I'm in High Point. I know you're in New York and um, I'm not traveling anywhere yet, but. um, Nor are we. We could have a cocktail Zoom if you'd like to follow up. That would be fun. That would be fun. Okay, we will plan that. And um, thank you so much. And we'll be in touch. Thank you, Jane. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to Said. I sincerely hope you got something of value from the podcast that feeds your brain and fills your heart. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you're in the interior design trade and related industries and would like to sign up for a complimentary subscription to the printed or digital magazine, visit designerstoday.com right now and sign up. Until next time.